Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Kimberly Faye Greenberg is an actor and Broadway expert. She is an industry coach and has worked as a dresser on over 20 Broadway shows. She was the first actress to play leading roles in two off-Broadway musicals at the same time, One Night with Fanny Bryce and Danny and Sylvia. She has played Fanny Bryce in four different shows and on two albums. Her one-woman show, Fabulous Fanny, The Songs and Stories of Fanny Bryce, was filmed live in Connecticut and is currently available to stream. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. It is absolutely my pleasure. So can you tell us who is Fanny Bryce? Well, Fanny Bryce is a legend, a Broadway legend TV film as well, most famous during the 1920s, so the Roaring Twenties. Um, she started off, you know, going through vaudeville, a little bit of burlesque, coming into fame in the Ziegfeld Follies, becoming the first comedian torch singer. So she's sort of the first female, uh, female comedian of our time, and she kind of led the way for many others. Uh, she's also historically significant because she did a lot of songs with a lot of sort of Yiddish, Jewish humor, which kind of brought that into the forefront as well, and sort of creating a niche for um, you know, making fun of whatever your ethnicity is at the time. That is sort of her little claim to fame. She order, she sort of has all her Yiddish stick that she does a lot when she sings and she does her comedy. And then as well as moving into the later years of her life, she became Baby Snooks on the radio. Uh, some people who are still alive today may have listened to her in the 1940s, early 1950s. And then um, she passed away in the 1950s uh, from a stroke. She was only 59, so she was fairly young. Uh, but of course, she lives on today most prominently because Barbara played her in the Broadway show and in the movie musical Funny Girl and then Funny Lady. So most people, if you see Fanny Bryce, um, that's sort of where they will know her from. But she did have such like uh, an iconic um, way of influencing American musical theater, Broadway, the comedians of today. Lots of her songs are part of the American songbook. Uh, so she left a great impression as far as her life before, before she died. And how did Fanny Bryce come into your world? Well, it's a very funny story. And I, I tell a little bit about it in my show and it's, I guess it's kind of been destined since birth. My middle name is Faye, so F-A-Y-E. And I'm named after my great, um, great grandmother, whose name was Fanny. So there you go. And it was a pretty popular name at the time, but it's kind of funny how that would be the case that later on I'm playing this legendary woman named Fanny. So that was the first thing. In high school, as I started moving into musical theater, obviously as the Jewish girl, and I had some very very, let's say, slight resemblance, more than slight, really, <laughs> to the real Fanny Bryce. We look fairly alike if you put our two pictures together, which is yeah. very strange. And so I, my drama teacher at the time kind of said that if that's something that I would want to do, maybe kind of look at Funny Girl and that's a role I could play as I got older. And then I went through college and left college. And as I was doing um, regional theater across you know, the United States, I was doing a production of Fiddler on the Roof. And that same company was going to be doing Funny Girl a year a year from then. And they said they wanted to consider me to play Fanny. They were very interested. Can you look at the script and score and study that? And I was like, of course, of course, of course I know who this is. You know, dream role. People have been telling me I need to play this. So I spent a year studying Funny Girl, literally just studying Funny Girl. I, you know, read all the books that were available. I went to the, there's a, a museum here in New York City and you can listen to all these old radio broadcasts and old TV shows that you can't find anywhere else. So it's kind of like a library. And I Is that Paley that. Center? It's the Paley Center, yes. yes. It's an amazing resource. And of course, the New York Public Library is also an amazing resource, unlike any other. And I did so much research. And then guess what? Didn't book the part. Didn't book <laughs> it. A year later, didn't book the part. Literally drove all my teachers crazy. All we ever did was learn funny girl material and go over the scenes and I did not book the part. However, 
taking what I learned from that, I was able to apply that to an audition, uh, to audition for a role that I was kind of pining for, uh, for several years, which was Sylvia Fine, Danny Kaye's wife in another musical called The Kid from Brooklyn. I booked that eventually. That led me to do the off-Broadway show, which was a little different, called Danny and Sylvia, the Danny Kaye musical. And then ironically enough, or the stars were aligning, the universe was aligning, and someone saw me in that show and said, hey, I've got this Fanny Bryce show that I want to workshop. I would like you to play Fanny Bryce. So there you go. So that led me to play Fanny <laughs> many moons later. And of course, you know, lots of things happened when I started playing Fanny. I was with the show. I wasn't with the show for reasons that didn't have anything to do with me. Then I was back to the show. Then we opened the show up Broadway. I made an album. I got the reviews and then everything else started. I ended up with my own solo show that's very different from the off-Broadway version. I was in a Broadway show at the Liberty Theater, which is the only hidden theater on Broadway. And in the pandemic, obviously, it doesn't exist anymore. Mostly events happen in that space, but it does exist. So I was in a show called the Ziegfeld Midnight Frolics by a company called Speakeasy Dollhouse, where I played Fanny. And I've been workshopping another show called Ghost Light, where I also play Fanny. So it's kind of become like this whole life thing. <laughs> it's very crazy. I play Jewish historical women now for a living, whether it's Fanny or not. And now, gratefully and thankfully so, which is how you saw me, long story short, my solo show is now streaming. So that's very exciting. What led you to create your own solo show when you already had performed in another one-woman show about Fanny Bryce? Well, it wasn't something that I had planned, nor did I ever think that I would ever be doing any sort of solo show at all. That was never on my periphery. But having been in the off-Broadway show and people seeing that, I actually got several calls asking me for more. They wanted me to bring a show to their venue, but the off-Broadway show wasn't my show to bring, and they wanted something else. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I can create you a show. And so I did, and I created... Which I spent a year doing. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So you know how this goes. So yeah, I created, I created a 45-minute version for one venue that wanted a version. And then I created a two-hour version for another venue that wanted like a full show in like a 500-seat theater. And they both went off really well. And from there, I got other calls. And over the course of four or five years, we were sort of tweaking that show. And then now it's about eight or nine years later, and the show is kind of what it is now. I have a couple of different versions I offer out, and um, the streaming version is actually a little bit different than the live version, even though it's live, because I've, I've cut a little bit off the video to make it more accessible for, a, for an at-home viewer uh, to mm -hmm. watch, so it's not quite so lengthy and, and no intermission and things like that. But so I guess I have like three versions of it now, an, an hour version, a two hour version, an hour and 15 minute version, but it was a long road. It certainly didn't happen overnight. And I just kind of figured it out. As I went along, I had no idea what I was doing. And um, here we are. <laughs> here we and are it's today. super marketable. You can, <laughs> any venue can pick pick a length of show that slots in so beautifully. Yeah, that's why I did it that way. Because I made a commitment to myself that if I was going to put in all this work, I surrounded myself with a great team of people, I didn't do it alone. And then I said, well, it's something I could have for a long time. And especially in a business where there's no certain outcome, um, and being able to support myself, hopefully, you know, with it some some way and somehow, I was like, the best way to put it out there was to create a couple of different versions out of necessity, but also out of the fact that it would make it more viable for many different venues. Mm. Yeah. When you were researching Fanny Bryce, how much video footage of her is there? Uh, well, I mean, there are the movies that are still available that you can see right now on Netflix, like Be Yourself is either is on one of those streaming services and like the mm -hmm. Ziegfeld Follies of whatever the year it is, the great 1945, Ziegfeld, something like that. Yeah. yeah, they have those as well. There's a couple of other films that she's she was in that are, uh, you know, still out there in public view. But what I found is there's a lot of other things little things having to do with baby snooks. Like they recorded a lot of the radio segments that were never really aired as video, but those are still available to watch. There's some interviews that are available. Um, so things like that. But also what's interesting and what I didn't even know until I started putting together my own solo show and gratefully 
the person who shared this knowledge with me wrote one of the most popular Fanny biographies. So he was able to share with me. But what I didn't know was that she had an, a memoir. She wrote a memoir and they Ooh. used, they, she did that because her, um, her daughter, Frances, who married Ray Stark, who was the producer of Funny Girl, he asked Fanny to write this memoir so he could use it to pitch writing teams uh, to give to them to see what they would come up with in order to showcase her life as far as the musical is concerned. So her memoir is in a box under lock and key at the New York Public Library. And if you have a reason to read it, you can go read it. Put your gloves How come it hasn't on been published? That's I don't crazy. know. But it is part of somebody's private estate and it was donated. Uh, so I'm certain that it probably can't be published because it's somebody's private estate at this point. But um, it was that's that's theater so history. Cool. Yeah, it should be published. I yeah. just finished reading Gloria Swanson's autobiography. Oh yeah, uh, which was first written by her seventh husband or something like that. She was married so many times, but it was absolutely fascinating. This insight into this world that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and I'm sure Fanny Bryce like lived, at, you know, in such a, an amazing time in Broadway history that Broadway's not like it was when she was on Broadway. Yeah, it's so true. Not like it was. It's so true. And that's, I think that's what's been so great about my show is I've been able to take a lot of those stories and sort of incorporate them. People, the ones that people don't know about, which is kind of, kind of fun. I didn't want my show to be like this, just listicle of facts throughout her life. That's not what I wanted to do. I really wanted to make it a story driven piece where like, you know, get little snippets of things that happened to her that you wouldn't necessarily know. So I think that's kind of that was the glory of being able to read that, which is so cool. Is it a typed manuscript or handwritten? It is, it's a typed okay. manuscript, like from a typewriter. It's pretty crazy. And it's at the Billy Rose Library? Yes, it's at the research <laughs> section on the fourth floor. So you can go read it. Now you know my big secret. It's not really a secret, but it does exist. I can't, I'm like, I'm actually like, I don't know what to say that that has not been published. I just, how is that possible? Yeah. That, I, I don't know, but I will say, I mean, um, Herb Goldman, who's the one who who told me about this, he wrote the most popular Fanny Bryce biography. And I will say, if you read his biography, it's pretty much on point with what was in the memoir. Mm. You can't, you can't straight, if you can't, don't have access to read her memoir, then I would say read Herb Goldman's book on Fanny Bryce. And I think it will um, enlighten you. It's as like, he, he quotes... Liberally, I'm guessing, from the manuscript. Yeah, I think he, he takes a lot directly from the manuscript. But, I mean, yeah. that's to his credit because... Can we get Miss Streisand involved? Like, how do we get this thing published? <laughs> I don't know. She needs to listen to this podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Listen, I've been trying to meet Barbara for many moons, and I, I have come very close. I don't know if you saw my Barbara video I made, but I, um, I have introduced myself to her so she knows who I am. So I will say that. I mean, I could share my little story, but I don't know if that's something. Oh, I would love about. to hear it. Go ahead. Okay. So here's my little Barbara story. So I've always liked to think, you know, in my own mind, you know, to like my own ego, to think that she probably have, has heard about me in some semblance. Because if you Google Fanny Bryce, there's only a few people that pop up and it's basically me and her. And the reviews from my off-Broadway show were in the New York Times and the Associated Press. And if you read the Times, you would have she would have seen that. So I would like to have thought, you know. But anyway, um, when I was this was like a couple of years ago when I was working at Something Rotten on Broadway, Barbara Streisand was doing a talk back at the Winter Garden Theater. And I didn't know that that was happening. It was an interview, I think, for her new album. Mm-hmm. They were inviting a very small audience and a friend who, you know, knows me as Fanny and is a dresser. She asked if that was something that I would want to go do. Obviously, I said yes. <laughs> when I found out that I was for sure going to be able to go, another friend of mine, smart friend, because I don't know why I didn't think to do it. She was like, um, well, this is your chance to meet Barbara. How can you meet Barbara? I was like, well, I guess I could drop something off for her at the stage door. She's like, yes, 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 you should drop 
roses. I said, oh, okay. She could drop roses and a little note, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, they need to be yellow roses. Like in Funny Girl, when Nick Arnstein gives her yellow roses. So I was like, okay. So, you know, I get really nervous. Oh, you're getting like all excited. For class. I, I'm feeling, okay. I'm like, my heart is racing for you. <laughs> so here's what happened. And it was a whole big deal and like very, made me really extremely nervous because I don't do things like this. As far as like, I'm not a big like swooning over fans kind of thing. But um, I was like, well, this is my one opportunity. I should grab it. So, and I know working on Broadway, working on Broadway shows, if you send no people, if anyone who's listening, if you send somebody something at the stage door, they will get it. So just know that. So I um, got a dozen yellow roses and I wrote out a little card that basically said something to the effect of I'm the other Fanny Bryce go-to gal. And um, I've been in a great, obviously, admirer of your work and you are extremely um, instrumental in me and my journey of playing Fanny Bryce. And I just wanted to reach out and, you know, introduce myself and I attached my CD. So there you go. So it was like a dozen yellow roses, my my fabulous Fanny Bryce CD, and a card. Um, and then I dropped it off at the stage door, and I wore my. I have this fabulous sailor outfit that I wear. And if anyone um, knows Funny Girl specifically, in that in that beginning of the first act, she has like the sailor suit on as Fanny. <laughs> so I have like a sailor ish suit that I just wear because I like it. And so I wore that that day in honor. And I was sitting in the audience with a friend, and we were just sitting there, la di da. And I maybe ten minutes later, I look up and I was like, something looks off of the stage. And you know. Barbara, I'm sure, had a huge say in what her stage looks like. And it was very much set up for, you know, a, a picture moment for the paper or whatever they were doing publicity-wise. And big flowers, you know, things that look would stand out on, like, a stage that's seating, like, 2,000 people in the audience. You know, nothing small and chintzy. And I look at the table and there's, like, this, this had been brought out probably as I was sitting there and I wasn't paying attention. On the table was this vase with, like, these dozen yellow roses and went to the water and it was very much probably her chair I could tell it was probably going to be her chair where she was going to be sitting and I looked up and I I just was like no really and I look at my friend and I was like and I pull I had taken a snapshot of the photo of, of that I'd given her and I said these, I think those are my my flowers on this on the stage look at the photo look at the flowers and then so I the show hadn't started yet so I got up out of my chair because we were kind of in the back of the orchestra and I was like do 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 and I walked to the stage and I look they were my flowers on the stage they specifically brought them out and put them on the table next to where she sat with her water so my flowers were out there they were definitely my flowers and then um in the middle of the show, I got so for I'm still verklempt. I'm still like, oh my god, that happened because you know she she had exact say of what happened on that stage. So she said to her assistant, "Put those on the stage." You know what I mean? After she got the card or whatever. And um, in the middle of the show, they were asking her about playing Funny Girl in the theater, and you know this is a typical question that an actor would get. You know, did you get bored doing all those shows? And her response was, well, you know, sometimes it's human nature if you're doing something over and over again. She goes, however, you know, on the stage, they had these fake artificial plants that I would, you know, look at as I was standing waiting for the scene to go by. And I would just kind of look at them and they'd be dusty and I'd wipe the dust off. And I, I would think, how could people not, you know, remember to dust? And she had been looking at my flowers, like the whole interview, just like kind of looking at them and touching them and blah, 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 blah. And then she looks at my flowers and then she looks out at the audience and she says, but these flowers are very real or these roses are very real. And it was kind of like a nod to me. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to take it that way because she didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? And especially this little teeny like some random comments of these flowers are very real, like looking out at people, you know what I mean? So I took that. I as, think I would have started crying. I was, I was, I think I fell over in my chair. I was like, total acknowledgement, you know what I mean? And then the end came and I left the theater and I went to the stage door and, and the stage door at the end of the show is usually crowded with fans. So, you know, I didn't get to talk to her and she rushes into her little car to drive away, but yeah. As they're driving down Broadway, 
traffic moves really slowly and me in my sailor suit. So I just like walk next to the car for about a block or two until it turns off and then it goes away. But I was just like, I hope, you know, I, I hope that my CD is either sitting on her living room, you know, table somewhere or her assistant's table somewhere. But it's nice to know that um, that acknowledgement actually really did happen. That is so beautiful. Yeah. You will meet one day. I, I hope you have so. to. I hope you so. You just have to. I hope so. I mean, we're like one um, degree apart. I know I know several people that know her or have met her or, or, you know, have worked with her in some capacity. So I do hope that I, I will get the opportunity. If nothing else, I would love to sing with her. Like, that would make me so happy. Like, can you imagine? I'd, I'd die. I would I die. I have dry mouth just thinking about it. I'm spitzing, a bit spitzing. But anyway, um, yeah, so there's my story. It's very long winded. <laughs> That's that is the most beautiful Barbara story. As a longtime Barbara fan, Hello Dolly is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just so glorious. I I love her so dearly. She's she's one of the few performers who is on my bucket list that I haven't seen yet. I've seen <gasps> I Liza, her. I've seen a lot of I've seen Patty, I've seen Bernadette. <laughs> If you ever can see her, see her, I saw her concert the last time in New York and it was really spectacular. At the Barclays Center? Yeah, it was spectacular. I It was like one of the few times I was performing in the city and I was like, come on, the one time I'm performing and I, I'm missing Barbara. <laughs> okay, she'll come around again. I'm so sure. I, I sure hope so. <laughs> so you, you created this beautiful one-woman show and you've been performing it all over the U.S., what led you to film it a couple of years ago? Well, interestingly enough, I would have had no, you know, ESP or knowing that we would be in this situation at this point. So whenever I had the opportunity, and especially since I was local within the tri-state, I was able to hire a friend to come in and videotape it, who I knew was an excellent videographer. So that's just how that happened. I like to video things when I have the opportunity, which is very rare, because then I can, you know, use it in some form of a promo or... Or to look back, I like to look back on the videos if I don't have a show for six months and I can look back on the video as a reminder of, oh, I need to do this or think about this, whatever the case might be. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically, it was just for my own library. um, And I got the permission of the venue. And then um, when quarantine happened, I actually didn't occur to me to use the video to share um, a friend of mine who's a producer, I'll give a shout out to Ashley Kate Adams. Um, she's, she's her studios, AKA studio productions. And we were just having a chat and she had said to me, you know, you should really, if it's a really good quality video, you should think about streaming that. And, um, so that's kind of how that came to be. And, I judged it up with some credits um, and some openings and and did a little editing just because it needed to have that for the stream, I felt. to be, I wanted it to be make a really strong impact and keep viewers' attention. Uh, I know that most of the time we can only sit through like a movie length. So I, that's why I kept it to like an hour and 15. And plus it gives the audience their own unique show. Uh, it's a little different than what you would see in person, which I think is kind of cool. So that way, if you want to see my show again, it wouldn't actually be the exact same thing again. Uh, I mean, live, seeing it live, it wouldn't be the exact same thing. So that's kind of how that came to be. And then I didn't know anything about streaming. Uh, luckily, my show falls under an ASCAP license, and that was very helpful for um, streaming it on YouTube. I'm actually going to be moving it to, uh, I don't know when this podcast is going to be airing, but I'm actually looking to move it to a platform called Stellar, which mm-hmm. is more accessible. The Gold Star platform. Yes, the Gold yes. Star platform, which they've been so nice in helping to sell my show. But now they have this beautiful new platform um, to stream. So I'm going to be moving it there uh, because they too have the license that I need in order to be able to stream and not have to worry um, about that. Cause I, I want to make sure that everyone's getting paid, which is you know, so ultra important. I have a whole team, you know what I mean? I want to make sure everyone is getting something from this because that makes me feel good too. You know what I mean? During this time, especially I want to make sure everyone's getting what they, what they uh, need or have been contracted for. So yeah. uh, that's kind of how that has happened and just figuring it out. I mean, the whole, you know, filming of live musicals is such a new thing, which is like so great with your podcast, um, podcast, 
and your database of being able to list them now, it's going to grow exponentially so quickly. Um, and there's so many different things out there now. It's kind of amazing to see, but it's really cool how we can just bring the theater now into the home. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what, what I, I like really excites me about this topic is that we've been filming theater since we invented cameras. Like yep. it's, it's been there since the beginning and we've been filming live theater and musicals and broadcasting them. The first broadcast was actually in, um, 1944, no, when did the war break out? 1939. So the first broadcast was like 1938 in the UK. And it's taken until now for it to become like COVID has made it acceptable in inverted commas. Right. Um, but it it's it gets I'm so excited because I can't keep up with the content. There is so like whereas before it was like, oh, every like six months I'd get like a new show, it would be exciting. Yeah. And now it's like six every week. <laughs> right. I know. It's like crazy how just in a matter of like a month it's been a lot more people coming bringing their show um, yeah. out into the, you know, the open on streaming, which is kind of cool. And it's great. You know, it's hard because as far as like, as an actor, I'm a member of Actors' Equity and that puts a lot of stipulations. Like I know I get a lot of questions from those who are not in the business of how come I can't then just go watch, you know, the Broadway musical of Ain't Too Proud. You know, I want to see that stream and I want to, how come I just can't press a button and that, that can happen. But what's uh, because of union rules that can happen. But what's so cool about the time that we're living in is we're all I consider myself like a multi hyphenate, somebody who does many things in the arts industry. And we're all creating our own work, you know, complementing our performing career or offstage career, whatever it is that we do. And so it's not it may not be those big shows like those Hamiltons, but it's all these other cool things that are not as easily accessible that we're now able to put online to stream that I think is what's going to be integral to the growth of the arts, especially now since theater isn't going to be able to come back anytime soon. I think this is going to like be changing the game like forevermore kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it means that, you know, we can access shows like yours that I might not have ever seen before because I, right. I wasn't in New York yet when you were first performing it here. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like now, you know, people in Australia can access it and, and vice versa, we can access shows that we were limited to not being able to see by geography or cost or accessibility. Now streaming has changed that. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It's like bringing, bringing theater to anyone really who, who has some way to stream, um, which is kind of cool. I, again, it's like every time I see a musical movie being made or something, I'm always cheering that because that's still helping our onstage pro uh, you know, profession. It's really helping us to continue to grow the musical theater movement uh, or theater movement as a whole. Because again, we, we tend to like be forgotten about TV and film is really important. And I'm happy to be part of that as well. But that's such a, you know, everybody knows about that, but they don't know as much about theater. So it's nice that we continue to have, we can have more influence now on what it is and what we do and the impact we can have right now. And pre-pandemic times, whenever a movie musical was released, if that musical was also playing on Broadway or wherever, the ticket sales went up. Even if it was a movie version, not the filmed live version. Yep. So I'm I'm really excited to see what happens post pandemic and when we open up again. What how streaming will boost ticket sales or yeah. interest in shows? It should be interesting to see how that happens. I know for me, my my fear was well, if I broadcast my show, who's going to want to pay to see it in person? Because when I book it in a venue, for me, that's where my payday happens because that's, that's you know, my one show every six months or whatever is like a really nice payday where I can, you know, actually pay bills with that. So um, that was my thinking. But then I did realize, because if you're looking at, then sort of people started telling you, well, that's not the case. If they see it online, then they're absolutely going to want to be in the room with you later on. And which even is, more so which, knowing that it's a different show, that yes. there is more to see when we go see it in person. Exactly, exactly. So then that's kind of what led me down the path of being less fearful about that and more of just like, let's just put it out there and get new people to watch who I can't, you know, access now. So that's kind of, it's exciting. It's, I mean, I found you. It's so cool. <laughs> that's, that's what makes <laughs> me love doing this so much. I get to 
find out about these awesome shows and meet incredible people that are making all this cool art all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious why you chose, I'm, I'm guessing it has something to do with licensing, why you chose to release um, the show on specific dates and with like specific times rather than like, why not just upload it to YouTube? Oh, okay. So, well, a, yeah, an open source kind of. So, site. like an on demand kind of thing. Like, yeah. more like you could access it anytime, any day. Yeah. So, yes, it is a licensing issue. So, you need a different license to be able to do that. It's all been a learning curve. So, I mean, I knew about the license that I needed to just, uh, for the most, well, actually, that's not true. When I went to go looking to stream my show, I knew what, what I needed to have it on stage in an open environment in the theater. Then when it came to streaming, then I had to do a bunch of research. And then under ASCAP found out, okay, well, if you're, you know, you show it on a YouTube platform, then you're good. However, or, uh, you know, anything that's kind of like a YouTube, Vimeo is not the case. Vimeo doesn't have any licensing. So you have to make sure that you get your licensing yourself if you're on a Vimeo platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but to educate your listeners, if you have a product that's on demand, then you need an additional license called a sync license so that's something else that you need as far as like um your music or using like copyrighted material um so that's an additional thing which i don't have but could get if if i wanted to and so that's sort of on a more long-term thing but i know that i kind of like having my show on certain days and times and what i'm gonna like with stellar is i'm gonna be able to do it more often because they're taking up a lot of the slack of what i have to do behind the scenes because it's not as easy as me just pressing a button there's a lot more to it than that it's like you know i get an email that somebody bought a ticket gotta go send them the link then i gotta send the confirmation email then gotta press play in the day make sure it's streaming right and then you know there's a lot more to it than you would think um, but I, I like having set days and times because it becomes a theatrical event. And that's kind of, you know, what I do is creating a theatrical event is more exciting to me than on demand. However, if I can eventually do it on demand, I, I may. So we'll, we'll see. I'm not, not so certain. I kind of like where this is. I just would like there to be more accessible time. So it's not like, mm-hmm. maybe I do like a Broadway show schedule where you see it like, you know, you could see this Tuesday through Saturday at 8 p.m. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh, we'll I love see. that. We'll see. Yeah. There is, I think there is something to be said for creating an event. That's something that Broadway on demand has been doing that rather than just releasing a show and having it available, although they do do that, they're first doing these like premieres where right. like eight o'clock on a Friday night and then, it's like it like you say it's an event and people are live tweeting and there's yes. like a sense of even though we're all in our own living rooms there's a sense of community and go like going to the theater exactly exactly so I kind of like that idea um to continue that so we'll see at this point that's my plan is just to continue that to keep adding dates uh, for your listeners if you're I don't know when this is going to be up but right now it's streaming through October 18th but it's definitely going to be streaming through the holidays into the new year, at least it'll be streaming until the pandemic is over and we're, we're out of quarantine at this point. So yeah. <laughs> I'll keep adding dates, but, it, but, but whoever's watching and looking for dates might see an increase in dates if they continue to check back and some, they're not available to stream on, on a certain time or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how that's going. Oh, that's awesome. And we'll make sure we'll have um, show links in the um, in the show notes and Amazing. on the Film Love Musicals website so that people Amazing. can Thank go you. and book tickets because it is – I learned so much about Fanny Bryce. I've obviously watched Funny Girl many times and, you know, knew that kind of – that story, that sanitized story, as I've read that you've called it, um, the kind of the glossed over version. Yeah, and, like, I, I, I can take a really quick second to say the reason they did that was because Nick Arnstein was still alive and they didn't want to forgive the word, piss him off and like not <laughs> actually be able to do Funny Girl. So which is why it was like a watered down version. Gotcha. Yeah. It's I the lives of these people like married three times and like in and out of debt and having to hustle all that. Like it's so fascinating and harrowing at the same time I know I know well we all still do that today I mean we're not like we're not doing it at the level they they were when you know their actual story but um you know still trying to 
trying to make it work. <laughs> what's your what's your favorite thing about playing Fanny Bryce? Um I I I'll say the fact that having played her for so long, it really has given me as a human more permission to just like have so much chutzpah and like not be afraid in my journey and things like that. I think she taught me that, which is kind of cool. I get into that in a very little tiny point in the end of my show, if you watch it. But um, I think that's the biggest influence. And then I think the second thing is it's opened up so many opportunities. I would never have imagined this. I never sought this out. This kind of just came to me and I went with it and I said, yes. So there's a testament to those who are listening to say yes. If you can say yes, even though it's really scary, say yes. Um, but again, in saying yes and in going on this crazy journey, like I've met so many cool people. Um, I've booked a lot of other really neat jobs that I would never have imagined doing. I, I get to talk to cool people and like share her story and share my story and keep her legacy alive, which is ultra, ultra important in the scheme of the theater world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that. And then, of course, you know, singing her songs and telling her stories is is really cool. That's like the icing on the cake kind of thing as a performer. When you are performing the show, there's so many torch songs. It's there's it's a big sing. How yeah. do you look after your voice while you're performing? I think I'm pretty used to it now because of the fact that it's kind of so in my body from like eight or nine years of work. But I will say when I'm doing a show, I, I have to, like you would do in any Broadway show, if you're doing a show eight times a week, um, and especially when I'm doing my show, is I'm usually doing a lot of rehearsal leading up to it. And then there's like a travel day the day before. And then the tech is all happens before you do the show at night. And the next day is another travel day. So it's a lot of physical as well as mental. So I'm always just trying to rest my voice as much as possible before I'm doing a show. And then, you know, sing out Louise during the show and then done. But I will say, you know, <laughs> Fanny had lungs of steel. And I will say I, I have a little bit of lungs of steel as well. I, I'm lucky that way. It's just in my in in just me and my vocal structure. So I'm I'm great grateful for that. That so I I guess that's really it at this point. <laughs> meant to be. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. Yes. I mean, I'm not singing Wicked. I'm singing like big, belty, traditional American musical theater songs, which is definitely a different kind of sing. Like if you were to ask me to sing Wicked, um, that would not be something that I would be doing. So that would be a whole different thing. So I would say for what works for me is um, very different than what might work for somebody else. Well, there's a whole other topic about how songwriting has changed and how writing for women and female characters has changed over the 20th century and that the belt has just gotten higher and higher and higher. Yes, it's it's much more about vocal pyrotechnics than it is about this telling a story. And and also I think it was more so about like in the 40s and 50s on Broadway. And I think Fanny was integral in this too early on is like, singing from your from your own voice like when you close your eyes you should be able to tell who it is that's singing specifically and I think right now and it's just the the nature of musical theater at this point um it's more about the songs and the lyrics and the tone like a a Disney tone or like a wicked tone or kinds of things like that so it's been more encouraged to like sound like Adina like you know what I mean be able to sing like that and sound like that but um, and then you close your eyes so you don't know who's who's singing necessarily. You're hearing the song itself, which is what, you know, they want you to be hearing. Um, so I think that's a lot of how contemporary musical theater is very different than traditional musical theater. Mm-hmm. Do you have sense. a... I, w- I was going to ask favorite song, but that's like everybody asks that. What's the song that you most connect to of fans <laughs> that you like to sing? Oh, my God. Well, this isn't even a Fanny song. It's the Don't Rain on My Parade from Funny Girl. <laughs> I That was my audition go-to song for years and years. It became my audition go-to song when I didn't book that Funny Girl. And it became my audition go-to song, probably because I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. But that song is luckily when I walk into an audition and I sing it, I don't really do it anymore. I've kind of moved on because most people – 
in New York and the Broadway community know that I do that. So I do, I sing other things now, but um, it was cool. Cause when I was, was singing it, like I recall I had my final callback for the Broadway show people in the picture and everybody from the entire creative team and casting was in the room. Um, and I sang parade as my first song because that's what got me in that room. And um, everybody clapped after and was like, so excited. And, you know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just couldn't. Um, I just did this whole big moment because you're not, you're not seeing me on the podcast, but like everyone was like cheering. And I just, that's like, that's been just such a cool journey of being able to share that with others. Cause I, I have a very unique take, I think on that song itself. Um, so I think that's my favorite favorite tune of Fanny's even though it's not Fanny's uh, <laughs> it's a technicality <laughs> it's a technicality it, it channels her <laughs> it does channel her so yes. much so okay so I have a series of quick questions I don't want you to think about them too much whatever comes to mind is good and there are no wrong answers okay okay do you have a favorite musical Lamez. oh interesting what do you have a favorite filmed live musical? Oh, um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I enjoyed Hamilton. Um, but I'm trying to think a lot filmed live musical besides my own. <laughs> <laughs> can I say my own? Uh, you can indeed. Terrible. <laughs> okay, my own. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I haven't seen a lot of the live musicals yet like I I enjoyed She Loves Me I enjoyed Holiday Inn um but those were also a lot of musicals that I saw in person as well so it's hard for me to say that those are my favorites when I've seen them on the stage yeah it's well I think it's cool that you can experience both yes you know what I will say though what has left an indelible impression is Into the Woods from the original Broadway cast because I saw that when I was really young and that left a huge impression. So I probably would say that if anything was to be my favorite, that probably would just because of the impression. That, that, that sits in my heart because I think that was the very first filmed live musical I saw. I grew up in Australia and Broadway was may as well have been the moon. It was so far yeah. away. Yeah. And it was my first introduction into Sondheim and to this world of Broadway and musical theater. And it's such a good capture. It was oh, intentionally filmed good. like a movie. Oh so, my God. It was so yeah. good. Yet it was on the stage and it was, it was so good. Yeah. I, I'll never forget that. We, I didn't grow up with theater either. And um, we were not a theater going family, really. My first musical I saw was Oliver again when I was fairly young but we didn't really do that kind of thing so seeing that on PBS was like the world was opening yeah cool. well we like we had lots of access to theater in Sydney but you know Broadway was very coveted and uh it's it's like the bee's knees and the height of theater and to see this this show filmed live and like there's an audience there and they're reacting and it's Bernadette Peters and Chipsine and Joanna Glee. Like it's so awesome. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm absolutely. with you on that one. So filmed theater is often called like a hybrid between theater and film. It's not exactly theater and it's not exactly film. So what should we call it? Well, I've been calling mine like a theatrical experience because again, you're not in the theater you're at home, but it, you're still experiencing theater and you're still getting the emotional tie from it, I think, for the most part. I mean, you're not getting the energy, but if the show is really well done, I think you're still getting that emotional pull to whatever it is that you're watching. So I don't know. I I guess a theatrical experience, maybe? That's That's what I've been saying. That's how I've been kind of equating it to. It makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, I'm like yeah. collecting all these little, what should we call it? And I'm, ah, I'm going to collate them all one day. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. I'm sure that eventually there will be a term for it. Yes. But I don't know what that's going to be. I mean, it's not going to be like the streaming theater. You know what I mean? It's not going to be that. Yeah. So I don't know. There's really fun articles in like old film daily magazines from the 20s when talkies first came about and there was like this crisis in the industry what do we call talking pictures and there's all these like 
bizarre like hybrids between like the word audio and the word film or cinema mm-hmm. I, I just had no idea what to call it so I, like I feel like we're at that phase with filmed theater where we're not sure what to call it and someone's going to come up with it and it's definitely going to have its own name because I think too especially as we continue to move forward and I think we're going I mean I can't say for sure but I have a feeling that because COVID is going to continue to be here for a while. Um, And unfortunately, that might mean that theater may not be here for a while to come. Um, I think we're going to see more of like the bigger Broadway musicals doing more of this, like more of like the Hamilton. And I know Diana is coming out next. So I think we're going to see more of that. So there's definitely going to have to be some sort of other name to it. Yeah. I just I want them to find a way to put a socially distanced audience in those rooms because I think you need the live audience. I think it makes a huge difference. Otherwise, you're just making TV, which is fine, but it's not theater. Yeah, it's true. It's true. 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 Yeah, because their energy does help serve the viewer's energy when they're watching it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where do you stand on bootlegs? Um, I will totally admit that I have watched bootlegs, but only for educational purposes, not for sharing. Like if I'm going in for a part, if there's a bootleg, then I will definitely look at it, but I don't support it in place of going to see the live show. I mean, we, we we do record shows for educational purposes. You know what I mean? We record Broadway shows for, so that the understudy can watch. We record Broadway shows, you know, or or theatrical experience. Like I recorded my show so I could have it for my library in case I ever needed it. Um, So we do, that's just a thing that happens. Um, But if you can go see and support the live version, I'm speaking specifically of a bootleg, not something that was offered out to actually stream, then do that. Absolutely do that. What do you wish had been filmed? Oh, goodness. God, I wish we had so many, so much of what has existed if it was filmed. I mean, I'll say this and only those of us in New York have access to it, which is most, again, most Broadway shows get filmed, but they get put into the, um, the New York public library film and tape. Uh, so you can't actually have access to it unless you have a reason to have access to it again for an audition for educational purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost wish that at this point in time, there would be some way to like release all of that so we could all enjoy it. But yeah. I can't, but I wish like if everything could be on recorded tapes somehow legally, that would be really cool. Plus the, the lawyers that would have to be involved in the negotiations. Yeah, it's too it's, it's, it's it will never happen. But um yeah, yeah. It's hard because as a as a union member, you just it it takes a lot to record something. So it's just not like you can set up a video camera and just record it at any time with audience. You just can't do that. So, but it would be nice if there was a way to, to make that happen. But yeah, I think, and I think the pandemic is going to shift that, that attitude is going to become easier and the way digital cameras as well have made filming a lot easier. Yeah, I think so too. And I think also from the income standpoint too, as far as like performers and backstage personnel and everybody who needs an income as well, that, that helps that if we can figure out a way to actually realistically make that happen and support everybody. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's, it's all such a new thing. I mean, it's not new. Like you said, it's not a new, it's not a new idea, but it's new as far as the public having so much access to it. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything of Fanny Bryce's that you would love to, like if you could go back in time and have a recording of it and be able to watch it today. Is there anything particular that you would like to see? You know, the only things I would love to see, which there are, at least I don't know any of any of them. I would love to actually see her in the actual follies in the show itself. Like there's remakes of what some of those were in like the movies and stuff, but I would love to actually be able to see it happening on stage in real time 
There are other random clips from the Follies, so I'm sure that they exist somewhere in somebody's closet somewhere. But um, I thought it would be so cool just to see what what we can hear, actually see it. Like, we, you know, they were all on record or we hear like sound, sound clips or something that somebody has. But I would love to actually see what that actually looked like in person. So I don't, yeah, that would be my thing. Take me back to the Follies just so I could actually see it. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. What would you like to see filmed in the future? Oh, goodness. Well, for me, I just across the board, I would love for more stuff to be legally filmed. So whatever that could be, then I would love that. Um, it also, I think, would be cool just because I've done a lot of immersive theater and immersive theater is kind of coming back. If we could figure out a way too to film all of that kind of stuff as well would be cool, especially when we're watching it on a computer, because then all that live stuff, immersive stuff from all the different things going on could be edited together to create an even new piece of theatrical art event, yeah. whatever we're gonna call it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. it would be cool. There's just so many options. We have so we have so many capabilities now of recording. Um, you know zoom of all things i mean it's so crazy how we could just record something that we're not even in the same room so i would love to see just more of everything but saturated yes, even more i'm with you more theater <laughs> yes exactly where can we find you online kimberly so you can find me at kimberly faye f-a-y-e greenberg.com and you can find my solo Fanny Bryce show at fabulousfannybryceshow.com. And Fanny is F-A-N-N-Y, just so some people spell it a little bit differently. So I spell it with a Y. Uh, so please check that out there. All my streaming show information is on my both my websites, actually. So if you go to my Kimberly Faye Greenberg website, it'll take you to my Fanny Bryce show website. So either way, you'll find it. And then last but not least, you can also check out my other actor, coach endeavor at the broadway expert.com we didn't really get into that here today but feel free to to check what that might be out as well wonderful thank you so much kimberly this was so much fun and i i have learned more about fanny bryce and i i i think i need to watch your show again <laughs> love that <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much for having me my pleasure Filmed Live Musicals is a labor of love, and we'd like to thank everyone who makes it possible. Thank you to our patrons, Josh Brandon, Mercedes Esteban, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, Al Monaco, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, and Beck Twist for your support. If you'd like to support Filmed Live Musicals, please like and review on your podcast app. Find us on Twitter at Musicals on Screen and on Facebook at Filmed Live Musicals. If you'd like to support the site financially, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash musicals on screen. No matter what level you're able to pledge, you'll receive early access to written content and early access to this very podcast. Visit www.filmedlivemusicals.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. <laughs>